We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are here, excited to have you. I don't know how you found us, but I'm glad that you have. We continue to keep growing all over the country in little pockets here and there. It's a it's a slow MC Hammer-like takeover. One of these days, I'll put on the parachute pants and say you can't touch this. Not yet. <laughs> we're, still, we're still working out of the back of our trunk right now. That's what I say. Sports talk out of the back of your trunk. But nonetheless, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great episode for you this time out. I want to uh, give you a rundown of what's coming up. But let me first start by saying uh, and reminding you guys, you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website, WadesWordProductions.com website, and check out all things D-Wade. And we are working, efforting, to make the uh, website more interactive. So that's happening. So look forward to doing that. That's wadeswordproductions.com. And of course, subscribe. Subscribe to the email list. And on occasion, you'll get updates on what we have going on. And when we update the website, which is coming, (laughs) to make it more interactive, we're working on that. But when that happens, we can email you and let you know what's going on. Also, the sports line, it's uh, always available. If you want to comment on a past episode, if you want to give me a Lamont Award nominee, if you want to ask a question, if you want to do any of those things and interact with the show, we record those 24 hours a day. And if it's something that is entertaining and informative and interesting or a comment, we will include it on a upcoming podcast. So 832 941 one four that's eight three two nine four one six six one four i always love hearing from you guys see i I could go facebook live i mean again give me your take on that i don't like doing facebook live as much um because of of, for various reasons but again if you guys want to see more stuff like that let me know and we can make it as interactive as you guys would like and also on social media it's at Wade's Word on Twitter. That is at, if I can talk, at Wade's Word on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Well, this time I, I am going to get into some headlines. And then we have an, a, a conversation with Eddie Robinson. He's one of the special teams unit members, so he's always uh, in the mix. And we talk about some Formula One, which that's him. And then we get into uh, what's going on in the world of sports and Corona and college football and a number of things because we always have interesting conversations with Eddie. Then we have a Lamont Award. And before I let go, so all that's coming up. Plus, we have a mix from DJ Anarchy, our resident DJ. And I'll tell you how to get your music played on this podcast as well. So all that and more. So with that, let's get into some Headlines. In headlines, we're getting a lot closer to the start of baseball, and we'll get an up-close look to see what that'll look like uh, and uh, how long they can go. Already, Toronto has been informed by their nation, (laughs) Canada, that they cannot play home games in Toronto, so they're looking around for a home stadium as uh, we're only days away 
from the start of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. So we'll have to see how it goes. I'm getting excited about it because I've been watching some of the exhibition games, and it's something to get excited about. But what will it really mean? What will it really look like? No fans in the stands. How many people are going to get sick? These are things I guess we'll have to find out. But uh, we'll see. that They will get started soon. NBA so far, I mean, as expected, you have uh, you had a couple people leave. Zion Williamson leaves for personal reasons. Uh, Montrez Harrell leaves. Both of those guys are expected to be back. In addition to that, uh, Russell Westbrook is supposed to report again after getting over COVID. One of the things, now we talked about this, but this is something I've talked about on the podcast for a while, uh, the residual effects of COVID and what does that really mean and will it really affect at least long term? Well, it may not, but we had a very, very serious issue with the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman, who said at one time he was praying for his life. He didn't know if he was going to make it. He had a fever of 104.5 and he was really scared. I want to hear more about that, but that's, a, that's the first time I've heard of a real scare or someone feeling really afraid having COVID as a professional athlete. Now let's see if these guys can come back and return to form and have no ill effects. So uh, a lot of things are going on with that. Uh, the uh, the Washington football franchise, formerly the Redskins, I, you know, I never really in-depth commented on that. And one of the reasons is because that's something we I've been on for a while. I've been on this for a while. I haven't been as fervent or as dedicated to it as some people. Uh, I mean, I remember a couple years ago when the Redskins came, well, the then well, the Washington team came to Houston, and they were protesting entering the stadium. And I posted those on Instagram and on Facebook. People were people been upset about this for a while. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about the Native American culture over the last 20 years. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the aspects of the culture are just a really wonderful and beautiful thing. And if, it makes you really feel bad about the way uh, this country is treating Native Americans. I mean, obviously, we know uh, with slavery and what they've done to African Americans. And just to, to see how they've decimated the Native American population and just disregard them. Because no matter how, we, how much systemic racism we live in as African Americans, we don't tolerate somebody called the Washington Negroes or the black boys or whatever. You know, you know stuff like that. The black skins, the blackies, we, we're not going to tolerate that anymore. That went away uh, 100 years ago. I mean, those are things that, uh, although Sambo's were still open in the early, the mid-70s. So, yeah, that was, it was that, maybe even the late 70s. But aside from that, uh, we did get rid of Auntie Mama, but Auntie Mama wasn't a sports franchise. Uncle Ben is not, you, you know, you don't have uh, the NBA players uh, playing. Uh, the, you don't have the Los Angeles Uncle Ben's. So, I mean, uh, again, there's still things there that we need to fix. But as far as like the Redskins and some of the other Native American names, they, they have to go. They have to go. And, and that franchise is not doing well. Fifteen women came forward and said that they have been abused, sexually harassed, and verbally abused and, and all sorts of things. So that franchise is not in really good shape. And uh, they're lawyering up and they are getting consultants and they're trying to fix that whole culture there. Their radio play-by-play -play guy abruptly quit. So it's getting ugly in Washington, D.C. I really, at this point, I don't really care what the name is. I mean, again, I growing up, I liked that. I liked the, the motif. I liked the, the mascot. I liked all of those things. But then I grew up. And now you see that you, I wouldn't want to cheer for something that hurts somebody's feelings.
you know, I don't want to upset a whole group of people because I just like the Indian on the helmet. That's stupid, and that's not cool. And so, yeah, they're good. To, it's right that they've been forced to change the name. And what I always say about the NFL, it's not that they've had this this awakening, oh, in, in their spirit. They went to their prayer closet and came out, and all of a sudden, oh, we want to do right. No, what happened was the corporate entities, FedEx and the like, Amazon, a bunch of these sports stores decided they would no longer carry any of the logos of the Washington team. And that made them, that was their come to Jesus moment. And that is what made them wake up and do what they were supposed to do. It's not about, it's never been about a, a consciousness uh, in the NFL. It's about the economic pressure. So good for them and good for that. We've been getting into this thing and Barkley talked about this and a couple of people are talking about the symbolism. The symbolism of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? BLM. And all of the things that have gone on around the world in and outside of the world of sports. You talk about in MLS, the Black Lives uh, jerseys or, or the Black Lives Matter t-shirts and the taking a, a knee. And you talk about uh, the NBA with names on the back uh, or you know sayings on the back that they approved. And some people are saying, well... You know, these symbols are mean nothing. That's just, I'm, I don't want to see symbols. I want to see movement. Yes, you want to see movement. You definitely want to see movement. But symbols are tremendously important. And that's why everybody's been fighting to take the Confederate flag down. That's why people are tearing, tearing statues down. That's why they were put up in the first place to represent and, and make people feel less than and celebrate a culture that hated them. The symbols. Symbols are extremely important. Now, if the NFL doesn't follow through with some of the things that they need to do to when it comes to minority hiring, what about contracts with uh, with contractors of food service or cleaning services or staffing or game day stuff? There, there's a lot of money that can be made in, by contractors in relationships with the NFL. So if you see these things happen, getting more African-American ownership, getting more African-Americans in the front office and coaching in the league, you want them to follow through. But I don't want anybody to turn on a game anywhere to try to escape Black Lives Matter right now because this needs to be on the forefront until we make substantial change. If you were one of these people, oh, I hate the, the liberals and all of that. I just want to watch some football. And then you turn on a game or a basketball game. Black Lives Matter. You can't get away from the symbolism. And it needs to be in our conscious minds and our subconscious mind. We need to. This needs to be a part of everything we see. So while people are saying, oh, symbols don't. It, and, and I agree that some of these things get a little silly, a little trendy. You get a little uncomfortable with some of these things, but the greater good is having that phrase and those those things, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, having that out there in the universe until we are able to affect change. So, again, if not for symbols, without symbolism to accompany the movement, I mean, these are rallying cries. That's why we have flags. You rally around the flag. That's why you have school songs. These, these are things that, that are school colors. These are th these symbols represent something. And uh, Black Lives Matter and all of the things uh, the that you see on television in and around the world of sports. Those things are important. So don't just. I hope people don't just poo poo those. Yes, of course that's not the end. But that is the, the accompanying symbol to go with the movement. And I think that we need to. Every time you turn on a television. Black Lives Matter. 
And it doesn't matter if people get fatigued or tired of seeing it. How many, how many of us were tired of seeing the Confederate flag? How many of us were tired of going to schools with Robert E. Lee? Could you believe that? Robert E. Lee, named after a Johnston, Johnston Middle School. There are a bunch of them. Dick Dowling. You know, all, you know, all of those things had to, had to change. Because they were they were symbols of something, and, and think about the positive symbols. Think about what Emancipation Park means. It symbolizes what really took place there. That freed slaves bought this land and allocated it as a place to celebrate Juneteenth. So symbols are extremely important. Let's 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 keep with the symbols and make sure people follow through. So again, I don't you know it's like. Hammer pans, and I mentioned Hammer a little bit earlier. People probably don't know what I mean. So, if you don't know who MC Hammer was, which I think most people in pop culture know who MC Hammer was, he was a rapper that was at one time the largest rapper in the world, bigger than Jay Z. I mean, in his era, <laughs> because he sold all these records. Now, was he critically acclaimed? Not so much. But was he a huge, huge pop rap star? Yes, he was. But he started off by selling tapes out of the back of his trunk, parlayed that into one of the best record deals in modern history. So that's why I say, uh, that's why I reference MCM. I'm starting to realize that my references, <laughs> my references are a little bit dated. Even my, my Lamar Award, people don't even know what that is, but maybe it's, it's worth looking up. So with that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And he's in the mix this time out. And if you have music you want heard on the podcast, it's pretty easy. Just email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. On the other side, we'll hear from our guy, E-Rob 50, Eddie Robinson. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on any platform in which you find your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Welcome back to 
Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You can check him out on SoundCloud, on Instagram, on Twitter. That's DJ Anarchy. He is uh, he's from VA. He's from Virginia, but he's our guy. So we certainly appreciate that. If you have music you'd like to get on the podcast, whether it's a mix or a song, the genre does not matter. Just hit us up at music at wageworldproductions.com. That's music at wageworldproductions.com. Now, coming up, our conversation with Eddie Robinson and the Lamont Award. But first, a couple things. We have a couple of birthdays. First and foremost, want to shout out to Mark Saunders. Hit me up on Twitter. He had a birthday. Happy, happy birthday to him. Hopefully, he had a great one. Also, Rachel Robinson, the widow of Jackie Robinson, turned 98 years old over the weekend. So happy, happy birthday to her. And last but certainly not least, a guy who I really appreciate. He's one of the special teams unit members. He is a a guy that has been a big-time supporter of KTSU Sports Talk and Sports Talk with Devin Wade, both on the radio and the podcast. Talking about the Silver Fox, y'all, Kevin Allen. Kevin Allen, has, uh, he had a birthday, and uh, I just want to acknowledge him on the podcast and say thank you to him. And it started off, he was a, a guest. He was doing the Nike Pro City Basketball League. He was coaching and one of the organizers, he along with Kevin Granger. Those two guys were responsible for putting that on every year. So uh, it started with that, and I had him on to talk basketball, and I had him on again and again. And I knew that I could trust him because, again, where we are on the radio, you you have to walk a line. It's not like commercial radio. We have to kind of stay in our lane. And I knew that I could trust him to do that, and he's done just that, and he's had some uh, some great takes. Always interesting to hear from him. I really appreciate him. He's a good, good guy and a good friend uh, to me and a good friend of the shows. And like I said, he's my co-host now. But he started off as a guest, but he he just kept having great things to uh, contribute. And uh, and now, like I said, he's a part of, uh, of everything. We certainly appreciate him. And, of course, we want him and all of them to have a very happy birthday. Everybody sing with me now. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Just for the birthday, people. Hope all of them have very happy birthdays. But also, we had some losses in the world of uh, civil rights. C.T. Vivian, one of the uh, the guys on the front lines fighting for civil rights, passed away. Also, civil rights icon John Lewis passes away over the weekend. And a uh, tough, tough loss. Because these guys, these are finite, you know, natural resources. These guys are irreplaceable when you talk about what they've done, where they were, what they did, when they did it in history, in the history of African-Americans in this country. And really to make this country a better land. Let's not just say, let's say well, it benefited African-Americans to be able to vote and to have more freedoms in, in this country. It enhanced the entire country. So it, it helped everybody, not just black people. It helped us be a better American. That's what I think gets lost in uh, some of the conversations about helping black people. If you helping black people, you're essentially helping America. You're helping our land become healthier and happier and more of, of the ideal we aspire to be. 
So, I mean, but again, uh, he – and this – it's poignant that we lose him at this time as we look at sacrifices we have to make in our personal lives. As the movements get to going around the country and around the world for black lives, it, you know, some some people more than others are willing to put their lives and their, their well-being on the front lines to fight for others, and others won't even wear a mask. <laughs> like you won't even you you are so bent out of shape about wearing a mask you don't you don't care that you're getting or jeopardizing other people you may be getting other people sick and so when you look at a guy like john lewis and the, he got hit he got his ass whooped for real for the cause on the edmund pettis bridge he went to jail 40 some odd times civil disobedience fighting in really un, unsafe places so that all African-Americans could have a right to vote and this land would be a better land. So, you know, it makes me think about what sacrifices that I can actually make. What can I do? And would I have done that then? I would like to think that I would have been on the bridge with him. Of course, we all want to think that. I will wear a mask. And not just for myself, but for, for others. And I have been self-quarantining for the most part for the health of my health and the health of others. But I think when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, it, it's been energized by youth. But there are always things that we all can do, whether we're older and uh, we, you know, sort of we're in a different place in life. We can still make those sacrifices and help those folks who are really out there on the, the uh, front lines. Other thing, Kanye West had a rally in, I guess it was South Carolina, and people will get mad at him because what he essentially said was Harriet Tubman did not free the slaves. She just made them work for other white people. And he said a bunch of other things. He started crying, talking about he almost aborted his, chi his child and he was almost aborted. And it was just a very unsettling thing. And I didn't watch it live. I just saw clips and I don't, you know, particularly care, but it's obvious he's not a legitimate influence in, in, in the presidential race. He, this is not, this is not that. He's not even Trump. Trump was all of what he is, and Trump was white. And that tapped into the white nationalist movement and a lot of the folks that support him. So so he, he's not that. He got on the ballot in Oklahoma. I don't think he's on the ballot a lot of other places. But beyond all of that, he's, he's sick. He's very, very ill. And we're getting to see what mental illness looks like in the form of celebrity again. We see it all the time. We see uh, uh, Tamar Braxton going through whatever she's going through. We've seen it a lot, but this is what that is. This is not, oh, he's trying to shake it up. He's trying to make, he, he's on the, he, he's so far ahead of the game in his thinking. No, this is somebody that is bipolar, diagnosed, not, this is not coming from me, who does not, and he said this on TMZ, he does not always take his medicine. That's what he said. But it's obvious when you see that. So you'll see the people getting angry with him. And you'll see people making jokes out of what happened. Um, but that's not funny. And it's a very, very sad and unsettling thing. So uh, I hope he gets the help that he needs. And then go do whatever you go make clothes or whatever you want to do. Just leave politics alone right now. We have some serious stuff to deal with. And <laughs> we're trying to stay focused. Okay. I mean, I, 
some of us don't have that problem, but the fringes, um, well, more than fringes, a lot of folks uh, do have problems focusing on what's really important these days. With that, let's uh, get into our conversation with Eddie Robinson. Uh, since we had the discussion, the MEAC did postpone their season, and we are looking at a situation where we are waiting to see what the SWAC will do. I've saw, seen, I've seen reports. I didn't follow up on this, but I've seen reports that sometime in the near future, the SWAC will announce that they will postpone all fall sports as well. I don't see a way for it to go forward. I just don't right now. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do. But the no football uh, for the MEAC. And it's a sad ending because three teams will depart. You'll have Bethune-Cookman coming to the SWAC, FAMU coming to the SWAC, and North Carolina A&T going to the Big South Conference. So all three of those teams will be leaving. So that's the end of the MEAC as we knew it. We thought that it would be one more season that we would get to see. Or the folks in the MEAC will get to see those rivalries and those big important games. And uh, those are no more as that looks like the end. Now, maybe there's a window open for spring football. I don't think that's – that. It, it didn't sound like that was the tone that they were striking when they postponed the season. But that happened before we had a chance to talk to Eddie Robinson about the very uh, – after we had a chance to talk to Eddie about uh, what was going on in the MEAC and with his son. Here's our conversation with E-Rob. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Eddie Robinson, good afternoon, man. A lot has been going on as we creep closer to the beginning of sports in in the three major sports in America. What sport are you feeling most confident about moving forward? If you had to say one of these leagues is going to really get it right and, and make it happen, which league would you pick first? Yeah, well, you know, I'm such an international guy. I'm assuming you're just talking about, you know, basketball, football, and baseball. Correct? The three majors. Oh, you know what? Hold on. Let me do the six cents. Okay, let me – because I meant to start this way. Okay, here is your chance to talk about Lewis Hamilton. Go ahead. Let us have it. Let's talk Formula One. Okay, well, <laughs> hey, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, since you want to start it off, I mean, he got in first, he came in the fourth place in the first race there down in Austria in the Red Bull ring. And then, of course, the second race, he was back to normal. He came in first. So he's first in the fourth and second place in the Drivers' Championship with two races down. And, and this week, they're going to Hungary. So this is the first time I think that they've done three races in a row, which is really rare. So, I mean, Hamilton is definitely still on pace to, to win his, uh, to be his, what, seventh the driver championship. So he will tie the legendary Michael Schumacher. Big news in Formula One, actually, is that the Ferrari, I don't know if you're a Ferrari fan, but the red cars are just horrible. They both crashed each other. And, you know, the rule number one in racing is you never, ever, you never hit your teammate. But they crashed, both of them, on the first lap. So both cars were out the race. So that's just horrible. You know, Ferrari in Formula One is kind of like the Yankees in baseball. You know, when the Yankees aren't winning, some people will say when the Cowboys aren't winning, it's just not the same. And that's kind of, and you know, being a being a, a Lewis Hamilton and a Mercedes fan, I, I still wish the Ferraris would just get a little bit faster. So, how so that's your F one update. But how long have you been doing this? I mean, like, did, <laughs> you, like what what is really going on? Like, what, when did this start? <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I have a buddy of mine, man. We've been lifting weights uh, probably since uh, right when I was still in college living in New Orleans. So 
Um, him and, and another guy, he got into Formula One, you know, Daryl and, and Casey down in the world. So they, they were always into it. But back then, you know, before you had cable television and everything, you had to stay up and watch the, you know, race would come on at three in the morning, two in the morning. So, I mean, he would stay up and watch it. He was like, man, Formula One, Michael Schumacher is killing. And I was like, man, I got practice in the morning. I, I got a game Sunday morning. You know, I, I can't stay up and watch Formula One. <laughs> you know, and I got a game in the NFL. And so I would kind of watch it from a distance, but never really got into it. And once I retired, I, I started really picking it up. And then, of course, like anything, you had, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton. He's a, a Brit, but he's a, Af- you know, uh, you know, black guy. And so, Afro-Brit, you know, huh? Yeah, Afro-Brit. So uh, I think his family is one of, I want to say, ah, where's his dad from? I think he's from the Caribbean. I forgot which island. Maybe Barbados, I think. But anyway, so... Um, you know, once I started getting into it and, and I went to a race or two and man, just got really hooked on it and uh, really, really enjoyed the sport. You know? Well, if I get my audience to, to, I mean, if I get an audience for that on the podcast, we will definitely <laughs> hey, I'm, talk hey, to you. I'm your guy. Trust <laughs> me, I'm your guy. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and actually, I watched some of it. First of all, I glanced at it. And I thought it was the Syrian GP. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're racing in Syria? <laughs> but it yeah, was the no, Styrian. Yeah. <laughs> the Styrian, so the Styrian or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what happened was they actually raced at the same race, uh, same racetrack. So they have a couple races where they're going back to back at the same track with no fans, you know, just to kind of keep the cost down and keep the safety as far as the COVID. And so, I mean, it's an example of it. You know, we can kind of segue over to the, you know, the sports that I think are going to have the comeback out of the three major sports. And uh, if you look at basketball with everything in the bubble contained, that's kind of what Formula One is doing. Everybody's in the hotel. You go from the hotel to the track, the hotel to the track. You don't go out in the city. Nobody comes in. Nobody goes out. So you stay with the team. And so, I mean, those teams, you know, they have like 100 people easily. I mean, you're talking about the guys who are working on the cars, the technicians, the engineers, and so the driver is just one small part of it. So, of course, if one guy gets sick, I mean, it can really just decimate a whole team. And so, I mean, they're doing a great job so far. You know, knock on wood, the first two weeks, no one has gotten sick. They're doing, you know, testing, multiple tests. And so I think that's definitely a test case for, you know, I think basketball to me is the sport because they have that whole bubble concept. As long as you don't let anything get in the bubble, then you're going to be okay. But if if one person comes into that bubble and gets sick, then of course the season's over with. But I, I think I think basketball has a good chance, and you know basketball I think can be played without fans and still be entertaining. Football to me without fans is just kind of really hard to imagine. Um, you know, baseball of course can be played without fans because you know most little league teams until you get to the major leagues you don't play with fans anyway in baseball you know? right so, maybe a little bit in college depending on where you go to school yeah right? you you may have a guy out there you know at size fair he could be you know the, the number one pitcher in the country you know what i'm saying he's getting drafted first overall you go to the games it'll be you know 30 people out there and it's going to be parents and a couple scouts and so that's just how baseball is and so uh i think baseball can get along good without fans but but basketball seems like they have the best system of trying to contain it and and basically keep the virus out as far as, you know, once you get in here, you know, you're not leaving and you ain't coming in unless you get tested. So we've seen already, I I don't, I'm not confident in the NBA because I'm not confident that these guys are going to do the right thing. We've already had two guys violate the kid from uh, the Holmes kid, Rashad Holmes. (laughs) <laughs> he he steps out of line to go get some uh, steps out of the quarantined area to go get some uh, some delivery 
while Rockets a young player also did the same thing. Then you see Michael Beasley test positive. Look, we're only like four or five days into this thing, and these guys are already having these little oops, these little transgressions. I'm yeah. wondering. I'm not sure well, they're gonna make it. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know when you're when you're a young guy, man. You you know you're 21, 22. First of all, you you you're feeling like, man, look, if I do catch it, I'll be okay, and I'm gonna be all right. And so. But I think nobody really has a sense of just, you know, how contagious the virus is. I mean, we know it. We know it's contagious, but, you know, it's, and, and probably because it has that incubation period. So it's not like you can say, well, hey, man, I just ran into Devin and that night I'm sick. So I know Devin Gate. It's almost like, well, dang, what did I do to catch it? And then five days later, all of a sudden you got a fever. And so I think that's what makes it really hard and makes, you know, guys, you know, not just NBA players, but just people in general you know, still want to go out and not realizing just how contagious it is. And so I think, yeah, I mean, they have to be really, really disciplined with that if, if they're going to make it work. I think it has a good chance of working, in my opinion. Well, theoretically, I think so. But again, it really, you know, they're, they've already reported, and they talked about this this morning, that they're getting a bunch of calls on the snitch line where these guys are telling on each other. Oh, yeah, gotcha. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, <laughs> so that means if there's a lot of people calling, there's a lot going on. And again, they're not going to police these guys like they're in prison. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to be on a more or less kind of an honor system and i don't no, know you can't you can't you can't honor system you gotta start hitting that checkbook man you start finding those guys and that's not that's how you that's how you get them to stay still and every time you leave out five g's you know what i'm saying you go yeah, second yeah. offense 10 g you know what i'm saying <laughs> you start taking people money man they'll sit at they'll stay in that uh in the bubble i mean yeah. so so now, I mean, obviously we're getting closer to football and it's looking like, I mean, here in high school, Fort Bend is not going to play at least, I can't, I, for the foreseeable, they're not going to play high school football. But uh, how, what do you think about college football? We've already seen some conferences go to non-conference schedules only. We've seen the CIAA and the SIAC cancel their seasons. What do you what are you thinking? I mean, because I've, since we've talked, the numbers have only gotten worse. How how do you feel about college football moving forward? Well, I think you have a good six weeks for the numbers to get better. Probably less than that because this is mid July, and so you're talking about maybe four weeks, maybe a month. You know, and my son plays college football, so what are they you know, telling him? Well, they have they have I think about forty kids who are on campus now, and so. Couple of them tested positive. Uh, well, they, they, you know, I, everything is with disclosure, so it was just a couple student athletes. But I'm assuming some of them were football players, more than likely. Right. And so a couple of the kids, you know, are going through the quarantine aspect. So I mean, they, they definitely have a plan in place. And just you know, talking with our, our AD at Alabama State, you know, she definitely has a plan in place. And so you know, it's, it's kind of like the old boxer say, everybody got a plan till you get hit in the mouth. So we, <laughs> we gonna see. Um, the plan is good unless the you know the trainer and and eight more people gets COVID, then the plan is is going to crap. So, I mean, we'll see if um, I mean, you got to have student safety as the number one priority. And I think if you know it's, it's the same situation, you're asking college kids to hey, you know what? Don't be a college kid. Just stay in your campus and stay in your campus and play football and just go to class. And that's do we that's, know? That's do we know if eight, the, these campuses are going to open with students? Do we are we there yet? Because I'm not. I've not heard some things, and and I'm not as plugged in as maybe I should be. But I, I've not heard of these schools having kids back on campus yet. 
Well, most of the campuses are still talking about opening with students. Um, I think it's the, the consensus talking to some, you know, college students I know who are going back to the California system and, and you know, Carolina, is that, that they'll start, the plan was to like start early and then, you know, once Thanksgiving comes, um, instead of going back after Thanksgiving, basically you would just take your exams online and so you will, you would eliminate that. Hey, you go home for Thanksgiving, come back and bring it back to a week of school. Yeah, and so which makes a lot of sense, and that may be something that they implement forever. You know, what I'm saying? so and that and never go back to you know, kind of like uh, people who are yeah, let's you know, it's not going to the office. Let's just let's just live off of Zoom from now on. So, but I think is I think it's one of those t- type of situations. It's going to basically be based on. Do the numbers start getting under control? I mean, my personal feelings and, you know, not being a doctor, I think if, if everyone really wears masks and try to limit your contact with people, I think the virus can definitely go back to where the numbers have, have you know, start to go down. If you look at, you know, places like Italy that were really hard hit in Spain and when their numbers are actually going down and continuing to go down, there's really no reason, you know, why we can't do the same thing. Correct. And and I've been trying to tell people, hey, if you want football, if you want, like, sit your ass down for now, and then we can move forward. And like, like, if you want Christmas, go rake the leaves. You got to do the work. You got to make the sacrifice so we can have these things. And if all you have to do is stay home or wear a mask when you go out, that's a small price to pay to try to return to normalcy, but you've seen it, and this is why I know the numbers are going to go up some more, because think about this. We haven't even gotten to all of the people who are going to get sick from 4th of July, you know, over that, that you know, that time, because we're, we're, we're about nine, ten days away out of that, so they're going to be a few more, uh, a little bit more of a spike from that, so, you know, I'm I'm hopeful, well, I'm hoping, and I'm I'm prayerful that this thing can get under control so I can get my life back to normal and uh, see where we go. Yeah. My issue when I when I think about it is, uh, and you have relationships with the athletic director at Alabama State. When you think about how much is it going to cost to do adequate testing, and is there? I've been hearing about delays and turnaround times. Are these things logistically possible for a football program at say at smaller universities? Well, I think so. I was I was reading something online. I was talking about it was a Power Five school. I think it was one of the Big Ten schools, and they were basically saying test twice a week, and they had a protocol. If you got tested positive, you would miss two weeks or three. I think the testing is possible. I mean, you may need to have some government or you know CDC help and stuff like that in order to you know have all of those test kits and the personnel that you have to have in place to to monitor the test and, and those type of things, but. I think at the same time, to me, you have to start questioning about eligibility of kids. If I'm second week and I catch COVID and then I have to sit out two weeks and then I have to sit out a third week in order to physically heal back to come back and play, and then I miss five out of the, the eight games because of the reduced schedule, then, hey, does that count as a full season of, of my eligibility or should I just get another redshirt year? So I, I think it's a... From college football, man, it could almost be a nightmare when you start talking about missing all of the fall sports. And some people are saying, hey, you can play the fall sports in the spring. I know, you know, Reggie Barlow, he's at uh, Virginia State, and they're in the CIAA. And so, you know, they're they're considering playing the fall sports in the spring. But then if you play the fall sports in the spring, like say you play, you know, February and March, and you, and you get your eight or ten weeks there, 
So then you got to be smart about, okay, well, you know, football is a recovery time. So that means you can't just go right back to spring practice in May. You know, you have to – so it's like it has a – You have to redo I, your and, calendar. Yeah. Well, then, well, but February and March, you're talking about February's recruiting time. So instead of recruiting, you got a season to get ready for. So it's, it, it can – the repercussions can go on and on. And then if you're talking about kids with eligibility, you know, what if some parents say – you know, hey, I don't want my son to play football uh, this year because I'm I'm fearful of him getting corona. So does that kid get a red shirt? Does he keep his scholarship? Uh, you know, most schools are, you know, still keeping the scholarships for kids. And so, um, yeah, some schools got some tough decisions to make on on that. That'll affect well, kids too. And I think we talked a little bit about last time. I mean, one thing about the Power Five schools more than anything, I think what is going to really bring to light is that the engine that's moving the train down the track is 100% football. Like these schools, oh, yeah. you, can't even, you can't even buy Bunsen burners without the football team out there playing football. I mean, that, that controls not just the athletic budget, but it controls the budgets, period, for the whole schools. And so when you're talking about schools who are missing out on millions of dollars of, of athletic budget because of football, and then that just really affects the entire school, not just the athletic program. So. Well, yeah, and now when you think about that, now you think about the power. It really brings also to light, if you really want to take it next level, how much these kids are getting exploited. Because they, if you don't have these guys out here playing on just a scholarship, it's paying for not only the athletic department but the entire school. It's like, whoa, what are we doing? Like, what? How can we have to reward these athletes with more money? We have to. I, yeah, mean, well, I, I think, mean, because it, and I'm and I'm hoping that athletes and, and I've been saying this for the longest that that especially the Power Five athletes should absolutely get paid. And and you don't have to give a guy a check at the end of the year. I mean, you can. You know, I've I've been saying this for like at least 20 years now. I, I can't tell you how many radio shows I've been on saying the same thing. I mean, it's a very simple formula. If you got a guy that's playing in the SEC and I'm at Georgia and you worried about my, my status as an amateur, even though I'm not an amateur because my coach is making $8 million a year. So at that point, I'm not an amateur. And so all you have to do is say, hey, for each year you're on the football team, we're going to put 50000 in an annuity that you can only access if you graduate from the university and don't sign an NFL contract. If you meet those two criteria, you'll leave here you know, with $250,000 and insurance for the next 20 years. I mean, so you can, you can do it where these kids can be rewarded for their commitment to the school. And the bottom line, you know, I was on one of the little Instagram things and, you know, Facebook going back and forth. And when the players in, in, in Mississippi, they were you know, complaining about the state flag, saying that they weren't playing. So you get some people on there, well, these guys should just be grateful that the state of Mississippi is giving them a college scholarship so they can better themselves. And they're lucky that they're on the campus. They should be proud to be at Ole Miss. And, but the reality is Ole Miss should be proud that those kids have chosen to give up their youth and you know, their, their physical ability to come there and play and risk their health because there's no guarantee they're going to play in the NFL. And yeah, and the, and the, and the education from Mississippi is great, from Ole Miss. And it definitely can help you to, to, to do better things in life. But at the same time, we're making millions of dollars for your university. And the only reason that other people are donating money is because we went to the bowl game. So we're even helping your donors to donate money based on our performance. And not only that, if you're talking about all of the other kids who are benefiting, because, of course, you know, African-Americans are a small minority of NCAA collegiate athletes who are on scholarship. We just see 
the basketball and the football players. But what about the guy, the, the young ladies on the swim team who are on the gymnastics teams, who are on the volleyball, tennis, and track team, who parents can afford to send them to college. But, you know, rightfully so, they're getting athletic scholarships because they are great athletes, but their sports are not revenue generating. So they're benefiting from the college athletes who go out there and compete in the football and basketball. Not that they're any less of an athlete or any less deserving of those scholarships, but let's just be honest, the people who are the engines in this whole train are the football and the basketball players. So that's just the reality. Yeah, and, but I think, like I said, it's a sl- once you get into that, you get the Title IX involved. It gets It's no easy solution because of Title IX and because well, of the non-revenue producing sports. And, and you, you're talking about – Lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. All, all up well, the, the lawsuit after lawsuit is going to end when the Power Five leaves the NCAA and start their own league. So, yeah. what do you need the NCAA for? Because you for what? Yeah, so I you would. can basically you can you can self govern. So then that's way. I mean, just look at it. I mean, once the the state of California said, "Hey, the the kids can accept money or whatever," however they said the, the players can get paid. And the NCAA was like, no, well, that's not right. That's well, against our rules. Except and then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe we'll make an exception because we really don't need the NCAA. And when I say we, I mean the Power Five. Well, the difference is that you're talking about a NCAA rule versus a federal funding, uh, the government mandating that any public institution getting any kind of uh, federal assistance, you you have to honor Title IX. I mean, now, again, you have to get in the legalese on some of these things, but as we get deep in those weeds, let's come out a little bit. Let's shift gears to the NFL. Obviously, you played many, many years in the NFL. NFL, uh, new face mask. <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to do whatever they can, and you're starting to hear some guys like J.J. Watt say, look, if I got to do all this, why are we even playing what are you thinking about the NFL? I mean, obviously, there's no safe way to play football and not exchange droplets and anything else in the middle of a, a tackle football game. Do you think the NFL can have a, a season? And how do you think any of that can go? Well, I, I mean, I don't think playing with a face. I've never played. With, maybe I had a face mask. Have you seen those? A, the ones that they, they put out yesterday? I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen them, but... I mean, I've, I had a face mask. I can remember one time I had an eye injury, so I may have had a face mask on for a week. It was never my preference to wear a face mask, but if I played today and I felt, and, and, and if the doctor told me, or maybe just common sense told me that, hey, you know what? If somebody else has COVID, it's highly likely you're going to catch it also, but you may be able to limit it just 10% or 20% with the face mask. I would probably put the face mask on. I don't understand when J.J. Watt came with the well, I'm not playing with less if I got to play the face mask. Well, he didn't well, quite say that. Yeah, he, he didn't quite say that. <laughs> what he said was that, you know, what are we really doing here? Does, does this really make sense? Well, and, and the face mask, and, and unlike the visors, these are supposed to prevent droplets. So it's just on the lower part. And, and I don't think there's a visor attached to these new face masks. But they're trying, they're trying different prototypes and they're trying to see if this can work. You think it will work? I mean, you think? Well, like I said, if, if, if it reduces the risk by 10%, 20%, then I would give it a try. Of course, testing and quarantining is the best way to try to not have people in the game. I mean, if you test everybody, you know, Saturday, and I'm sure that they would test them again after the game on Tuesday. So if you do test on Saturday and Tuesday, well, yeah, I think those are, are ways to determine, you know, does someone have or do not have COVID? 
But if, if the face mask can help reduce it by even just a little, then why wouldn't you go ahead and change into the face mask if it's still safe and they cetera? Okay, even beyond that, do you think that the NFL season will be able to take place? Obviously, they're not going to be in a bubble, and they're not going to have fans. I know Philadelphia, the Eagles just found out that for sure they can't have fans. I know the Jaguars alluded to the fact that they may have be – 25% in the stadium. Other teams have talked a little bit about it, but do you think there will be an NFL season that starts on time and can, fin- and, and can finish? My gut feeling is probably highly unlikely because I think, you know, when you start looking at the, the quality of play and the competitiveness of it, which is I look at the Saints and the Patriots, I think they were poised to go get backup quarterbacks who can who were former starters. Because, you know, at quarterback position, you can't get out and get caught with a rookie. Because you could have a non – and COVID is, of course, a non-football-related injury, but it can keep someone out for like three or four weeks. And so I think you have to look at it and say, is it going to get to the point where the game's not being really competitive because the best team is the team that has the fewest amount of COVID cases? You understand? Right. And that's what I think is going to happen in the NBA. I think that they'll have situations where guys, I mean, right now the Rockets have Russell Westbrook out, but this is a great time. If you're going to have it, this is the time to have it (laughs) so you can return. But I think along the way, you might have a star player in the playoffs. Once the playoffs start, they may get it two or three guys, and all of a sudden, that playoff matchup is not legit. It's not a legit right. matchup. It's not legit. And so at that point, the you know, I think all the leagues will have to make a decision to say, you know, because if you win, you're going to be like, man, you're the COVID champ, man. You didn't really win. You just won because of COVID. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I mean, you're going to have a big asterisk on your championship. So, I mean, who wants to, to win? You know, if I'm LeBron, if I'm somebody, if I'm playing LeBron and, and, and LeBron and Anthony Davis got COVID, and, and we beat them, and we sweep them. I mean, come on. Am I really the champ? I right, mean, right. Yeah. I, so. asked a, I asked a former NBA player, Daniel Ewing, on the last podcast. I asked him about uh, what if a team like the Nets or the Spurs or somebody like that wins it, are they real champs? He said that's pay, not well, going to happen. It, but you're saying it's not going to happen, but it could happen because if, if someone gets gets you know can't play because of COVID. Now, of course, injuries like – you know, ankles, ACL tears, that's all within the game. So, I mean, if if the players can stay healthy, and, and I don't think anybody should be co- concerned with fans. I mean, me watching Formula One, it was just as exciting with no fans. Of course, that's motorsports. That's probably, that and golf are probably the best sports to still play with no fans. You can totally still enjoy it, you know. But, you know, the, the major sports, I, I don't even think the fans should be a big situation. I mean, I'm a Saints season ticket holder. At the best... My best case scenario, what I'm expecting is they said, hey, it's, it's eight games, Eddie. You can come to two, and we're only going to have 25%, and then every fan gets to come to two games. And for me, I would probably go for two games if you told me it's only going to be 20,000 people instead of 75,000. I would probably do it, just wear a mask, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be disappointed or upset because I can't go to the other six, and I'm totally not expecting to be there with 75,000 people in the game. You know, my dad's 75. He already told me, like, hey, son, I'm going to sit this season out. I'm not going to <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I wouldn't even bring him to the game. If he wanted to go, I'd be like, nah, Pops, you got you to gotta chill out this year. And so I'm not even concerned about fans. I mean, I you, gonna the just, thing you have to spring the money. Safety, you, know? you have to spring the money for that luxury box for, for Pops, man. Go on and get him a luxury box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, if, we start, if we start getting close to the playoffs, maybe, but hey, not, not <laughs> 
And you know what? In the Saints, man, we have such good matchups. We have, man, we have probably one of the best home schedules we've had in the last five or six years. With you got the Chiefs coming, you had uh, San Francisco coming. I mean, nah. you got the Tampa Bay coming. I mean, it was just, it was just gonna be a real good because you had the Brady Breeze matchup. It was gonna be a real good season. But I don't, I, it's, it's hard for me to think because you have players who have to go home, they're interacting with families and friends. It's impossible for me to think that these guys are going to go a full season and not get COVID and not bring it back into the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't see how that could possibly happen. Even if the numbers were, you know, down and under control, it's still that chance that, you know, one person comes to your house. And football is such a social thing. I mean, if no fans can come to the games, and I guess that means no one should come into town to watch you play. So maybe that, that should help. So yeah, do you think your son will, will play? You think they'll have a, a season at at ENT, North Carolina ENT? Uh, I don't know. I think I think they'll they'll have it unless it gets to the point where the the kids are are not safe because there's too many kids on the team that that have. But they, I mean, they have a plan in place to keep the kids isolated. I mean, they're working out in groups of like eight to ten and stuff like that. So then, so that way, you're hoping that you know one person. If he does get it, he hasn't been exposed to all of the players. But even if you have those workout pods, say if you got workout pods with five to seven kids, if one kid gets it, then you got to quarantine the other seven kids for two weeks anyway. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's, you see what I'm saying? It's like it's so tricky to say once you know that one kid has it, you got to say, okay, you've been working out with this other group of six. This is your workout group. Well, okay, that whole group is down for two weeks. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and I, I guess yeah, you have to be very strategic about uh, who you group together. You can't have you can't have all the receivers working out together. Can't, right, you can't <laughs> have all the linemen together. You got all the linemen. If you got all five starters working out together, and one, I mean, you got. I guess you got to go starter back up, and you know you're starting right tackle and your backup center. In case, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You, uh, you just have to mix it up by position. Yeah, it, it's it's there are a lot of questions we've never had to answer. Want to go on the field a little bit? I want to. A lot of people have uh, a couple folks have commented on the sports talk with Devin Wade page about Pat Mahomes signing such a long term deal. A ten-year, four hundred fifty million dollar deal. Explain to people why you think it's good or bad, a bad idea to sign that kind of deal. Because I kind of have—I uh, mean, I've explained that it, it does. It's not a big hit on the salary cap, so that can put talent around you. You can pay people around you, and of course, we know that the NFL contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on because most of the money's not guaranteed so why do you what do you think is a good, a good deal for Mahomes or a bad deal well I, I think when you good like when you I mean everybody knew that Mahomes was a generational talent I mean, it was so obvious he the, the things he did the year before last was just exceptional and then last year I mean not only is he a generational talent but he's delivered like Dan Marino was a generational talent as a rookie year. You knew he was going to be that guy, future Hall of Famer, but he didn't deliver. He didn't win the Super Bowl. He never did. And so when you have a guy that's not only a generational talent, but delivered at an early age, you know, high character kid, how much better can he get if you keep talent around him? So to me, I think it was a, a, a super deal to get him locked up. And, and if you look at the NFL quarterbacks are playing until the age of 40. I mean, this guy's already said he wants to get into those 
Patriots type numbers, you know, and, the Brady and type, win, win, yeah, the Brady type winning five and six, you know, Super Bowls. And so, to me, if the Patriots, yeah, you lock them up for as long as you could. If you, and then the salary cap's only going to go up and up. So it seems like, wow, that's a huge number right now. But yeah, you can constantly rework that deal and spread money out and push it into, you know, after the first three or four years, you can add another two or three on the end and spread the money out over a longer period of time and just sort of cap hit. If you ever needed to, you know, have a wiggle room for another, you know, marquee player that may come along. But I mean, hey, he's the straw. Everybody else is just pieces that come and go. He's the guy that has to be there. And so to me, you start looking at who's going to be your next head coach because Andy Reid is getting older. And hopefully they'll go with, with my OC, with, with my, uh, my running back. Yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he would be the, the guy that moves up. But, I mean, to, to lock up my home for that type, I think it's a deal. I mean, if, if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I'm buying a jersey and I'm, and I'm happy. I mean, worst case but, but scenario. But for him, as a player, do you think that's a good deal for him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who you five hundred million dollars? Like, come on, bro. Come on. Like, well, no, I know. I, uh, yeah, but you know yeah, and, but you know that that a lot of these huge deals in a couple years, these guys they sign them, and then all of a sudden that's a small deal. When a guy like Dak Prescott could be making more than you, and you know the next Johnny Come Lately quarterback that's supposed to be the next coming ends up making a lot more money. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people look at, well, hey, in, in ten years, will this still be a good deal? I mean, we think well, so. And, and, yeah, but in 10 years, but you would figure even in 10 years, he's like, what, he's 23, so he would be 33. I mean, if you look at Drew, Bre um, Drew Brees and those guys are playing till 40, he would, at 33, you would think that he would still be a guy that has another good four or five years left. In so he got so one more contract even after He would this. still have another contract. Or if he's playing at the level that everybody's expecting, you would think that the Chiefs with two years left would extend him. I mean, if he wins in the next 10 years, if he wins two or three more Super Bowls, and this guy has four Super Bowls on the resume, which is very realistic, you know, although it's a lot of things that have to go right to win the Super Bowl, and they, you know, they they kind of squeaked it out this year, even though they were they were the best team, but it was still a tough go. I mean, so you you can't just start you know handing them trophies out. But even if he wins one or two more Super Bowls, if if he has three Super Bowls in ten years, I mean, why wouldn't you extend him with two or three years left on the contract? You understand? So to me, it just it just makes perfect sense for him and for the team. I keep telling, I told. My good friend, I was like, man, this is going to be a billion-dollar player. So he was like, man, it'll never be a billion-dollar player. I'm like, at some point, it's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, 15 years, 60 million a year, billion dollars. So you heard it here first. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Vlad Guerrero is probably be a baseball player. If you get a young guy playing soccer baseball, player. yeah, what? baseball. Yeah, okay. well, it could be soccer too. But I'm thinking in, in our major sports, if you get a baseball player who you know, at 18, 19, like Vlad, you know, Vlad Jr., he's already at, at 20, maybe 20. He's already showing you that he's future Hall of Famer. He's going to be that guy. So at 20 years old, you can sign him to a 15-year contract, especially in baseball, too. Because well, they, don't they, they own their rights for, like, six years or something they have where they can go to arbitration? Early on, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, they extend it out for quite some time before uh -huh. you can get your, get your major money. But when he hits the free agency market – I mean, why wouldn't like Boston or Yankees or Anaheim, somebody like that, 
go ahead and toss him a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. That seems a ways oh, away. That's, that's like mini me, you know, billion dollars. That's like, but hey, sports is it's just it's just crazy. I remember when Warren Moon signed that million dollars a year. We like, man, they paying million dollars to a quarterback. Man, that's great. Now look at it. You know right, right. He was a pioneer in that way. Final question: uh, the Washington Football Team changes their name. A lot of, of things that are getting corrected. As far as the political incorrectness of the NFL, do you think uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that? And the, really, all of the things that the NFL they're trying to do around uh, the the lift every voice and sing. And what, what do you think about all of the things that are happening in the NFL as it pertains to social issues? Well, I think it's good when you look at the majority of the players in the NFL, African Americans, and, and once. They, you know, we, when I was a player, et cetera, once you take your helmet off, you go right back to your community. I mean, and, and I think Muhammad Ali said it the best. Like, I can't sit here and be on the yacht and enjoy being the heavyweight champion of the world when I know that there's injustice and people struggling in my community and in my neighborhood that look like me. You know, so just because you have a, a, a little bit more money and, you, and you're in, in the limelight, it doesn't mean that you turn your back on the people that look like you and who are going through those injustices and, and a lot of them are your family and your friends. So I think it's good that the NFL realized that, hey, these players, I mean, they, it's things that they have as legitimate concerns and it's societal issues. And, and I don't think you can you can get to the, hey, just just go out there and play and score touchdowns and, and don't worry about what's going on in the world. I, I, you know, you have the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. So the NFL is not about just playing football and ignoring injustices in the world. That's that's not what we've been promoting for the entire time in the NFL. So so why would you promote that now? So I think it's good that, you know, it wasn't about face and it was an abrupt about face. And, and so I think you have to give them a pat on the back and say, hey, you, you, you're making a step in the right direction. And then you just have to monitor to make sure that it's a, not just a step, but it's a, a path that you're actually walking in that direction because you could take one step and stop. And so I think you definitely have to see if the NFL is going to continue uh, down the trend of saying, hey, let's let's open this up and let's be inclusive and everything. And, and, and I, not to keep going back to motorsports, but, you know, with Lewis Hamilton, I mean, he's the only black F Formula One driver. And so and he's, and he's been, been speaking really, out a lot. Yeah, oh, he's really. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of him because, you know, even even last week when some of the drivers didn't take a knee. I mean, he called them out and said, hey, man, Formula One has to be inclusive to all people. He said, I'm not and he's not about the political agenda. And he was very clear. No, I'm all about social injustice issues, about how can we have equality for everyone, regardless of color, creed, ethnicity, et cetera. And he said, you know, we race is one. And so he's not, you know, and, and that's what I think you have to do. It's not about the, your political views or anything like that, but. And the same time, it's like, dude, everybody just needs to be treated equal and, and have a chance to, to let let the merit be based on if you are hard working and you should have a chance to succeed. Not, hey, no matter how hard you work or how hard you try, you know, because of the way you look, you're going to be a second class citizen or because you're a woman, you're a second class citizen. You know, you know, because of your gender preference, you're a second class citizen. And I think that's what, you know, all of the young people are really pushing for. And I think it's, it's just great. And I think it's a, a great time to be an athlete to be able to actually, you know, voice your opinion and be able to move the needle one way or the other and uh, get some traction with it. So I, I love it. Hey, man, well, uh, I certainly appreciate it. Any suggestions for the Washington football team's new name? Talk about yeah. the Red, red Tails uh, tri <laughs> uh, tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. What are you, what are you thinking? 
And, you know, I haven't even given it a thought, to be honest with you. I'm so not a, a, a Washington Redskins fan. I think it's great that they are changing the name. Um, I could come up with some comical names, but I, I can't even – I won't even – I'm not going to waste my brain cells to come up with a legitimate name. But whatever they come with, I'm sure they'll do a great job. I mean, I, I love the burgundy and gold, man. It's such a uh, tradition in, in the Redskins. Uh, well, you know, know and, and but, I like uh, – it goes back to my child. I like the logo, but I know that that is not right. That's wrong. I have learned that the like the the headdresses that people are wearing and all this those are sacred symbols in Correct. Native American culture and we playing around with that stuff. I mean, all you have to do is if you put a black man on there with a piece of watermelon or something and, and then see if you'll be oh, offended. Yeah. It, you it, know what it, I mean? Like stuff again. like yeah, we we cannot ignore their pain because they're not loud enough because their numbers are not, you know, they they're sort of almost removed from our society Native Americans are for the most part because you know they're in rural areas on reservations on Land given to them so yeah I, I just think that even though yeah i like it and i liked all of the stuff with that man we we're grown-ups now man we know better we we have to do better this is crazy you know what i mean we have well, to stop and i think and i think you hit it right on the head and and, and you can't just say well tradition said well you know tradition and what you did for the last 20 30 50 100 400 years doesn't excuse you continue doing this today. At, at some point, you have to realize and be extra apologetic to say, "Hey, okay, I realized what I was doing as a kid. You know, I engaged because I mean, I'm I'm no better. It's things that I've done and said and views that I've had, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm a I'm a better man at 50 than I was at 30. Hopefully, you're growing. It's nothing worse than an old fool. Right, <laughs> but, right, right, right. But, but yeah, if you'd have had the you know the 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 Jacksonville Sambos and the man would have been on the side with a watermelon. Oh, we would have been in outrage. Right, right, <laughs> so, right, right. And so, and so yeah, it's clearly time, and and it probably took too long, but at least we're there now. So. Well, let me say this, and then because, uh, like, I said you and I, we could we could probably do three hours a day. If anybody wants to give that's, us that, because you yeah. only call me like every every three four weeks. Well, I give you, I'm giving so, you time. I'm giving you time for things well, to happen. I'm, I'm planning my whole Tour de France. Now that's another great sport that you can watch and not have. Spectators. So the Tour de France is still playing a role. Hopefully they, they, they'll get it going. So that's the whole month long. So I'm gonna have to come on at least once a week and give you updates. Well, I, I know I, you're keen to know who's the favorite. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Who has the best pharmacies? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they, 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 they're, they're way past that. Who, who, hey, come on. who has the longest needle? <laughs> who has the longest needle in in the world of uh, bicycle racing? So, but but you know, I will say this, and I'm gonna leave you with this. I'll, I'll give you a hard time about Lewis Hamilton. I watched about a good 30, 40 minutes of the race the other day, and they never showed him because he had such a big lead. They were like, oh, these two cars, they, they, these two cars are like teammates, and they were battling for like ninth place or something. I'm like, when are we right. going to see Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> he whipping nah, his that lead. Was, that was usually, I mean, Mercedes has the, has the better cars. He kind of checked out that race. But they'll be in Hungary this week. It's a nice tight track, so it's going to be a much – much better race. So make sure man, you tune in. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call you on Sunday, man. Yeah, I don't know if you watching the live view or you watching the replay. Don't you know, they replay the? They, they replay it at like 11 a.m. or something, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Don't well, call. See, yeah, the, re the replay is good because it's not a real spoiler alert. You know, it's not like they're gonna keep flashing the highlights over and over on the screen. Right. Like, I could watch it and I still won't know. And you I, still won't. Know, yeah. Right. So all right, man. Well, I certainly appreciate it. We'll get you, we'll get you sooner rather than later. All right. That'll work. 
Want to thank our guy Eddie Robinson for joining us as always, member of the special teams unit. That's what I call my group of folks that I lean on uh, to come on and have sports conversations. So we certainly appreciate that and his take on Formula One. Now, is that a thing that we're going to do on this podcast? You guys let me know. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. With that, it's time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the team, entity, player, situation, in or around, usually in or around the world of sports. Those folks who we recognize to be the big dummy of the episode. With this time out. Okay, I had one in the world of sports, but I, I'm going to change it up because I just saw something on local news, and I'm not going to specify which station because they all, to varying degrees, do this. And, and really, national news as well. And I don't want to just pile on media, 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 because that's a, yeah, I don't, I don't want to just jump on media about this. But these are little pet peeves of mine. And it's about coronavirus, of course, the coronavirus and COVID-19. And if you know me and a lot of people told me you watch too much of that stuff stop watching it because it only drives you crazy it drives me crazy but not for the reasons why you think it drives me crazy because of the sheer stupidity of some of the bull that's out there just the pure dumbassery about some of the things that these people do to i guess placate or, or soothe uh, the the masses for from I guess jumping out of a building or something or, or being depressed. But look, it, the the fact is, if you are the news, your job is to inform. It's not to f- make me feel good. I don't need to be massaged. I don't need uh, uh, orange slice and Capri Sun. I don't need a cupcake in front of the television. Just give me the damn news, okay? Do that. So here's what I saw today. I'll give you an example. Okay, so I live here in Houston, and you know that Houston is a, a hot spot. Texas is a, I mean, off the charts with new cases of COVID and new deaths and, and a growing number of deaths, all of those things that are associated with COVID. So that's, that's what's going on, right, here in Houston. And this is the first thing, one of the first things that I noticed that really got under my skin. So what they'll do is they'll say, they'll announce, they'll say, well, hey, there are 10,000, a record 10,783 new cases of COVID in the state of Texas. We've had, you know, 117 new deaths today alone, which is a record. But <laughs> not, not just, but however, it wasn't a but or however, it's, but there's a, like a hopeful, gleeful inflection, but 33,000 people have recovered. (laughs) Like, I do not need that kind of soothing. I don't need that pat on the head. I don't need the sun will come out tomorrow. Just tell me. I don't need the inflection. I don't need the enthusiasm. Because what they don't tell you, what they can't tell you, what they won't delve into is the impact of the lives that were lost. They don't tell you about what does recovery really look like. And we know that people are having all sort of cognitive issues, sort of renal issues, uh, all kinds of inflammation, heart issues, all these things. So what does recovery mean? That means, okay, you're out of the hospital, you're over COVID, but you'll die of kidney disease in two months that you never had a history of in your life. So, so stop trying to cheer me up. But this is what I saw today that, that really drives me crazy. Okay, 
So everybody's saying mask up, stay at home, social distancing. That should be the message, right? Because we want to get over this thing so we can resume our normal life. And we know people are abusing that all the time. People are going to clubs, they're partying, they're in mile-long lines to go eat in restaurants. I mean, it's, they're doing too much. And so everybody's kind of on board. Mask up, mask up, mask up. And social distancing, stay home if you don't have to go out. That's sort of the recurring thing. So that's in the A block of the news. That's in the first part of the news. Uh, we're trying to get those numbers down. They'll talk to a doctor out of the medical center. They'll say, well, they'll go refer to an expert, medical expert, talking about stemming the tide. We have to get over this, and this is what we have to do. And then they, this is what he says. Okay, so a little bit later on, they do a fluff piece, which they do a lot of these these days. I guess they're trying to help Houston with their psyche. Okay, I get it. I don't like it. But that's what I, I know that that's what you do. So they come up at the Texas Motor Speedway yesterday. They had a NASCAR race. 60,000 people were there, right? Which is just drives me crazy. Okay. It, it's insane. It's just because you can look at the, the, the race. You can look at the audience. They're not socially distancing. And I know the place holds 150,000 or whatever. And it was 60,000. But they're not masking up. And you just know that there'll be an outbreak as a result of people convening in that fashion. There's no way to get people in and out of there, 60,000 people in and out of there with safe social distancing. So they talk about the fact that the fans in the stands for the first time in Texas since March, right? The guy literally says this, it's good to see fans in the stands again. And I'm like, no, no. No, it's not good to see fans in the stands. We are seeing record numbers. It's 10,000 a day in the state of Texas. No, it is not good to see fans in the stands. Stop with this dumb Please stop. It's incredible. You are sending mixed messages out there. So the whole A block, you're talking about what we should do to remain safe and try to open up schools and try to open up the economy. We can't do that if people continue to spread this disease. And so it is not good to see 60,000 people convening anywhere except on the moon. <laughs> so for that reason, local media. You are all big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> I hate to go on these kinds of rants like that because, I mean, look, it's, maybe it's just a me thing. Maybe I just observe this stuff and it just gets under my skin. But that's, yeah, that's just my take on it. Do we really need to see 60,000 people anywhere right now? We need to get over this. I'm ready. Look, I have not had a haircut. I'm walking around like Colin Kaepernick. I braided my hair the other day. I'm telling you, I mean, I've not done that since the early 80s or maybe even the 70s. It's crazy out here. And uh, they are certainly, and, and not just the local guys, they do the best they can. And I'm sure that they get their marching orders from some news director and they pay attention to the bottom line, the advertising. It's all a business. It's all about money. And, uh, you know, if we cheer you up, if we leave you on a high note, Maybe you'll tune in for another three or four hours of news every day with seven weather people <laughs> on the station every day. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. 
Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy E-Rob. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank you guys. You guys are the absolute best for tuning in. Thank you for spreading the word and sharing the podcast with friends, family, and uh, maybe even a few enemies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you share it with, but I'm glad you have. And our numbers say that you are. So thank you as uh, we continue to grow. I appreciate the love. Certainly appreciate that. Want to encourage you to call the sports line, 832-941-6614, hours a day. And, of course, you can go to the WaysWordProductions.com website. And if you have music for us, music at WaysWordProductions.com. And if you have, if you want to advertise. Uh, by the way, I want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Hey, he's going to get busy here if he's not already. I'm sure he is. But nonetheless, so I want if you want to sponsor uh, our advertise, we certainly uh, appreciate that and want you to email us at advertising at wagewordproductions.com. So there you have it. So all of those ways and a whole lot more. I want to thank you guys as always. And remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>